Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Week before last, I, have you ever done it? I thought she was done. You've done that? Many times. Yeah, hey, high five. Me. I got halfway to the pulpit and she continues playing. I have to make a circle and go sit back down. Um, I appreciate Brother Herbster. I appreciate his spirit, his love for the Lord, and just watching him visit with you. You still have that pastor's heart, too. And I, I like that. I really like that. Uh, but the Lord's moved him on to something that's very, very important. And uh, he, I, I didn't ask what he was going to be preaching today. I said, the pulpit is yours, and uh, you do as the Lord leads. Now, he did mean, I do want to say one thing before he comes up, uh, because, I mean, two can play this game. Uh, Brother Herbster mentions that he knows uh, former attorney general, former governor, former senator Ashcroft personally, He knows Vice President Mike Pence personally. Randy Booth. Get this, get this. Township supervisor, right here. Well, and he's more important than some of those people I mentioned, I'll guarantee you. Because you've heard this statement, I'm sure, Randy, all, all politics is local. All po- I mean, that's where it all begins. And by the way, uh, people who uh, are local sometimes then become state, then sometimes become national, and that's how you, you get to know them when they're local. And Pastor was mentioned about your reps. They do have local offices, and you can see them when they're at home. You don't have to go to Washington, D.C. to see them. But I'm just encouraging you to get involved as uh, salt and light. And I, I tell you, you're a, you're a wonderful church. I've known that, but I come back and I think, wow, what a sweet-spirited church. What a great time of fellowship and uh, how gracious you are to us. You've been to our family. If I was in this area, this would be the church I'd be attending. I told pastor, I can base anywhere. Now, as a senior pastor in Kansas City, they wanted me to stay there. They wanted me to stay in town. I didn't stay in town sometimes as much as they wanted me to. Uh, but now, as uh, we finish up when we're Lord willing in South Bend, we can be anywhere as long as I have a good church, a good airport, and a good representative. I don't have to be in Washington, D.C. I could be anywhere. Well, I don't know your representative, and uh, I don't know if there's any airport here or not, but I know one thing, you have a good church, and uh, I get in a lot of churches. Not every church has the spirit that you have at this church, and I want you to know that and be grateful for it, because sometimes we're not as grateful for our local church or our hardworking, serving local pastors than you ought to be, and you're blessed, and you ought to realize that you're blessed, and I'm blessed to be here with you, and I want you to know what the real problem is. Now, I'm going to answer questions in this time this afternoon, so I hope that you... I've answered a lot of questions in the foyer at lunch, uh, but this will be a chance for me to answer some questions that maybe you'd like to ask and get it from one perspective besides the Communist News Network, (laughs) CNN, um, or whatever you want to... That might be your favorite. I'm sorry. Fake news, a lot of it. 
um, you know, and, uh, but I would like to give you a perspective if you'd like a perspective. But I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1, and just for a brief moment here, I want to make sure you understand the real problem. And then, uh, how can we make a difference? Romans chapter 1, I'm sure your pastor has preached on this before. You've probably heard many messages on this before. But we're going to go through it, and I'm just going to highlight a few things in Romans chapter 1 before I uh, purpose to take some questions and try to answer those things that you're really interested about. But it says in verse 16 of Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now may I say, I hope none of us are ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I've had the opportunity even this last week to share the gospel of Christ in offices on Capitol Hill. To a pastor over lunch, I'm kind of like a missionary to Washington, D.C., because as an ambassador, I'm first and foremost an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We have a positive message to share. And if any man be in Christ, he'll be a new creature. Old things will pass away, and behold, all things will become new. And again, if we had time, I could share with you some stories of some people, congressmen, uh, staff members that have trusted Christ and how their lives have been changed and the privilege I've had to be a witness to some of those. But don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, and also to anyone in this auditorium this afternoon. It's the power to change you, to save you, to make you a new creature so that you are uh, able to know you're on your way to heaven. But now in verse 17, it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Can I just stop there and say, Now, I want you to listen as I read, because God has revealed himself to man. And here it talks about, Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. God has revealed himself to man. From from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead. Read the last phrase with me there in verse 20. What's it say? So that they are... Who is without excuse? All of us are without excuse. Man is without excuse. Because God has revealed himself to man. He's done it through the scriptures as it is written. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Jesus Christ is the living word, the gospel of Christ. The Bible is the written word. He's revealed himself to man through the living word and the written word. He's revealed himself to us from the the Holy Spirit that oversees us and tries to convict us and brings the convicting power. He said, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. He created us to, to be seeking after him. And if you seek me, ye shall find me if you seek me with your whole heart. Body, soul, and spirit we are. And there's an emptiness that people talk about. And some of these entertainers that have committed suicide and talked about their suicide notes and the emptiness. That's a, there will be an emptiness until you have Jesus Christ. Could God made man to have fellowship with him? And to have fellowship with him, we have to come to Christ because he's the way. The veil was rent in two. We have access. So God has, is bringing conviction by his Holy Spirit to speak to the spirit of man that you need me, you need me, and you need to seek him. 
But then in verse 20, it even talks about creation. Shows the power of God. Tells us about that. Have you been to the Creation Museum? Doesn't it just ring out, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, God, 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 master designer. So God has revealed himself to man so that man is without excuse. We have no excuse for not reaching out to God and seeking him. And if you seek him, ye shall find him. How did man respond to that revelation? Look at verse 21 and following. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So question, how did man respond to God's revelation? They all accepted it, right? They all thought, boy, this is wonderful. I'm going to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm going to believe on the God of the universe. I'm going to accept the, the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. True or false? False. What did mankind in general do? They rejected Jesus Christ. They rejected God. They, they professed themselves to be wise. We woe to school to figure out how this universe came to existence. And there was a big bang. Folks, it takes more faith to believe evolution than it does to believe creation. I mean, you talk about living by faith, some of the stuff that they come up with, you know, and try to. But they profess themselves, they changed the glory of uncorruptible God into image made like to corruptible man. They started to worship things, made little idols. Oh, we don't see them quite so much in the United States, at least those little kind of. We see big idols. Detroit Stadium. You said you were going to the ball. By the way, Kansas City Royals and Detroit have a real rivalry. And so please, I'll pray for you if you'll pray for us, okay? How that? <laughs> You've won some, we've won some, and so, but isn't it amazing? We talk about the Colosseums of Rome. Can you imagine what's going to happen when this civilization's gone, what they're going to be talking about, our Colosseums? Yeah, we have gods that we worship too, do we not? Well, sad to say, almighty dollar business. You know, what is it? Well, it's the economy that matters, really. That's money. No, no, it's morality. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. But you know, we have our idolatry. Verse 25 talks about our humanism in our society, the philosophy that's permeating our society. Change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature, man, more than the creator, God. So we've rejected God and replaced God with other things. That's what he's saying. There lies the problem. Because what are the results of that? We're seeing them before our very eyes, but he tells us about it here in Romans chapter 1. Verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, whether it's pornography or prostitution. That's not what women were designed for. 
There are to be wives and mothers. And likewise, also the man, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one to another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, receiving themselves that recompense of the error which was meet the homosexuality movement. I'm not a homophobe. I'm a biblicist. And that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. He created one man, one woman to come together as one couple till death they do part. Now, that's God's plan. We've messed it up. That's why the family is so important, being why the devil's attacking the family. Yours, mine, and everybody's. Because it's the basic unit. But notice the results. He goes on, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Remember? Rejecting God, replacing it with other things. We don't want to receive the truth of God. We want to reject the truth of God. I'm talking we as a society. And so even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And then he lists all kinds of wicked things that man is doing. Why? Because we've rejected God. We've rejected God's word. That's the problem. That's the problem. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse. We have the idea that the problem is all this wickedness in our society. Now, homosexuality, immorality, and abortion, and drugs, and all kinds of uh, embezzlements, and all these other... Well, no, no, no. That's the result of rejecting God. And when everyone does what is right in their own eyes. So what's the answer? We have to get back to God. One nation under God. Oh, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to really live it. You know, I, I hear at athletic events now, and I'm, all, I'm thankful for it. God bless America. I mean, it's, it's kind of neat that they're starting to sing them at uh, ball games and everything. And even at the World Series this last year. I mean, it's amazing that, you know, after some of the trials in our land, the people are singing about it. But are we really working for it? Are we really doing what's necessary to be able to see God bless America again? A blessing or a curse, remember? I know, it was just a few hours ago for those of you who are in Sunday school. But there's a blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God. There's a curse if you disobey the command of the Lord your God. What's the answer? We must get back to God. That's why I'm so thrilled that there are people who are God-fearing people that are willing to get involved in government and even running for political office today, realizing that that can be a ministry. It's not for me. But God has burdened my heart to encourage them in Washington, D.C., and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people in Washington, D.C. that need to be changed by his power. Because... There's three things that I believe we need to do, me and you, if we're going to see God once again blessing America. Number one, we need to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you? I hope not. That's the answer. That's the answer. Men and women can be changed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have heard the name Dick Armey? 
Anybody know, heard the name Dick Armey? Dick Armey was a majority leader of the House of Representatives under my time as president of the American Association of Christian Schools. Um, I had uh, been in meetings where I'd heard Dick Armey cuss like a sailor. Now, I know there's a sailor here, so I don't know why they always pick on sailors and say that, because, I mean, I think Army men do it too. I think Air Force, by the way, I was in the construction field. Construction men do it too. I hope preachers don't. Okay, I hope we can't cuss like a preacher. That'd be terrible if we were saying that. But, you know what I, you know, the, the language that wouldn't be appropriate for me to share or for any Christian to share. I mean, he was foul mouth. He was cutthroat. He was, he was one of those uh, uh, back, back room politicians and and several people had witnessed to him. I'd had the opportunity to talk to him about my faith in Jesus Christ. And I was in a meeting back in the Newt Gingrich days. And we were having uh, a back and forth with Newt Gingrich about some of the revolution and some of the things that were going on. And Dick Armey's there because they had the leadership of the House of Representatives. And, and we, it was going back and forth and everything was not going well. You know how some of those conversations can get pretty much in your face and wasn't the right spirit. I was saying not much of anything. And Dick Army speaks up and he says, men, I don't think we're handling this meeting properly. And he says, some of you know that I recently trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And uh, he said, I've been studying the Bible And he says, I think we need to practice Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. Okay, so flip over to Philippians 2. Just, okay, I mean, maybe you know it, okay? He knew it because he'd just been recently studying it. But I thought, man, this guy has been changed. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Dick Army. Well, people had shared with him the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I found out after the meeting as I went and talked to him that he had a dear wife who had been witnessing to him for years and praying for him. Ladies, some of you that may be out there praying for your husband, don't give up. Because Dick Army was born again and was changed and gave public testimony in a very um, uh, difficult meeting, and all of a sudden the spirit of the place changed. Now, I know Newt Gingrich has professed to be a Christian as well, but later has uh, converted to Catholicism. Of course, he married a woman that was a Catholic. I don't know his personal heart, but he um, also has given testimony of, of faith in Jesus Christ and at least gives credence to it from time to time. But I, I saw a change in Dick Army, and I'm only saying it can change Dick Army. It can change your neighbor. It can change your work associate. It can change the president of the United States. We need to pray that uh, people will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But how shall they hear without a preacher? Now that's not talking about pastor or myself. That's talking about all of us being proclaimers, being witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last command of Jesus Christ is, ye shall be my witnesses. Whether it's in Washington, D.C. or whether it's in Mayo, Michigan, we need to be proclaiming the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Not only should we be praying... I mean, proclaiming, but we also need to be praying. 
First Timothy chapter 2. If not mark this passage before, you ought to mark it because it's very, very specific in telling us what we should do and who we should be praying for. I exalt, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. What are we praying for? We're praying that we'll continue to have a country where we can freely proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And that could be taken away from us. Now, I'm going to keep proclaiming even if it's taken away from us. I mean, legally. Just like we see people doing in China. In Muslim countries. And some are losing their heads for it. It's not, it's not games. It's persecution going on all around. And I'm thankful again that our present administration recognizes the Christian persecution that is taking place. All around the world. But he says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And we are commanded to pray for those who have authority over us. So that we can have the the peaceable lives that we would desire to have, the freedoms we desire to have. And so that we can then proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world. So how much proclaiming are you doing? How much praying are you doing? There's something else. We can be participating. Aren't you glad you're in a country that we have the freedom to participate in our government? Do you know every government doesn't have that? That we have the freedom to vote? Do you know that not every country has that? Do you understand that we have a nation that was founded that we the people... Uh, the government of the people, you know, for the people. That's what, that's what our government's all about. But sad to say, a lot of people aren't participating, aren't involved. It kind of reminds me of the, the missionary work of the Apostle Paul. If you'll go back to Philippians. Philippians. And, and see what he says about those that are participating with him in the evangelistic work that he's doing. He says in verse 10 of chapter 4, But I rejoice the Lord greatly, and now at the last your care for me hath flourished again, when you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And all God's people said, boy, hallelujah for that promise. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Thank you for your willingness to give to what I'm seeking to do for the Lord Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. And thank you, Pastor, for encouraging them to do that. That's participating. Not everybody can go to China, but some other people can. And you can help them go to China. Not everybody can go to Africa. But there are people who are willing to go, and you participate to make sure that they go. Not everybody can go to Washington, D.C. 
But some can, but not everybody. And so you help the other people that can go. You participate so that so the work of the Lord Jesus Christ can be done. He says, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire what? Fruit that may abound to your account. In other words, the work that's being done, can, that God can give you reward for doing that as much as anyone else who's out doing it on your behalf. Oh, yes, we should participate by voting. Oh, yes, we should participate by giving. But can I say something to you? You can participate by calling. You can participate by writing. Um, Now, I personally prefer calls versus writing, especially emails. If you're going to write, do a letter or something like that that makes somebody work. If you would go to Washington, D.C. with me and sit in an office and understand that there are staff members Depending on the size of the office, how many. And if you'd sit out in the reception area waiting to see the member of Congress or to see the senator, there are people answering the phones. Staff members. And they're calling and somebody's telling this and somebody else is telling this. And they're, they're saying, I'll make sure the representative knows. i make sure the representatives know. And they make a little note about that. Or sometimes they're, while you're talking, they've got these headsets like I have on right now. And they're, they're typing away to put something in. And that, that is getting information back there, but it's also making all the staff members know something's up back in the district. And they talk. And I've sat there and hear them talk. And what's going on out there? I didn't know there were that many people upset about this. Now, if you send emails, you know what they do? They count how many emails they got pro and they count how many emails they got con. And it's one person at their, at their computer counting. But if you get three or four staffers being bugged with phone calls or having to open up a letter and take it out, and they all of a sudden recognize that, boy, there's more going on out there, even though there might have been a lot more going on with the emails because a lot more people doing it, but you're bothering more people when you make a phone call or you send a real letter. Does that make sense to you? And the, they know... now. Obviously, if you can go to their office when they're here in the district, or if you want to take a trip to Washington, D.C., and go up there and visit them, even if you're there to see the monuments, go see your member of Congress. It is very easy to see your member of Congress if you're from their district and you're in Washington, D.C. And even if you don't see the member of Congress, you're going to see one of their staffers. And some of those staffers have more influence upon the congressman then uh, you can imagine, because when you're in Washington, D.C., and you walk, watch a member of Congress or a senator walking to the, 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 the chamber to vote, you know who's always beside him? A staff member. And it's the staff member who's in charge of that issue, who has talked to a lot of people who have come in and talked to him about that issue or have answered phone calls or they've read the letters because the congressman doesn't have time and they're talking in his ear, this is how you ought to vote. This is why you ought to vote. This is what our people are thinking. So don't ever be disappointed when you only talk to a staff member. And who knows? That staff member may be the Speaker of the House someday. Paul Ryan. Staff member. In an office. And now, a Speaker of the House, determining what comes to the floor and what doesn't come to the floor. 
And of course, we should be gracious to all men, no matter what. But I'm just telling you, we can participate. And we should participate in one or all of these ways. I've noticed many of you have picked up the brochure. And you'll notice that in the brochure that I'm looking for ambassadors. And it's really kind of like organizations and somebody representing that organization. And who knows, maybe this church would choose in the days to come to be ambassadors, to represent this area. And actually, you could represent two areas, and you could support the organization on a monthly basis as a, a part of your regular budget. And uh, co- different people could come representing the church. Pastor, I hope, would come and represent the church. Says, uh, I want to drop his name in Washington, D.C. But you could come. We organized just recently a trip for a church and took the whole, a whole group of you. You imagine how the congressmen, how excited they were about having a whole group. And they had to take us into another office in the Capitol so we have enough room because uh, congressmen have little small offices. And go see your senators and see your congressmen. And yeah, see the sites too. But participate. All of us need to proclaim, all of us need to pray, and all of us need to participate in one way or another to help this nation get back to God and God's truths and God's principles. Because the problem, the problem is not all the problems. The problem is that we've rejected God who determines whether we get a blessing or a curse. And I don't know about you, I still want God to bless the United States of America. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.